right, a special edition of the Steve Gruber Show live from CPAC 2020 at the Gaylord here in National Harbor, Maryland. And it's time to get to it where the rubber meets the road for this day, Friday, February the 28th, 2020. And here are three big things you need to know for this day. Number three, a Swiss town may have to be evacuated for a decade after a stash of World War II weapons is found. How much? 3,500 tons. 3,500. Yeah, we might want to move that town. Number two. The left-wing media actually pushing back hard on Joe Biden and Michael Bloomberg, believe it or not, for false statements both have made trying to say that President Trump has cut back on critical items needed in the battle against coronavirus. It's, well, they lied, frankly. And number one, speaking of the coronavirus, it's taken off quickly, causing sell-offs on Wall Street. Another bloodbath yesterday, 1,200 points almost in the sell-offs. So we're in correction territory, Uh, 3%, 3%, 3% and a half. So we're at a 10% uh, correction. That's where we are. Uh, sitting down with me now is Saul Anuzis, Michigan native, guy I've known for years, uh, friend of the program, uh, a veteran Republican strategist, a guy who's been involved with all sorts of things here at CPAC. Saul, good morning. Great to be with you. Thank you. Uh, you have a new job, I should mention, at 60 Plus, an American Association of Senior Citizens. You are the new president of 60 Plus. What is it? Well, we're the conservative alternative to ARP. We're basically a policy group that gets involved in issue advocacy here up on the Hill. Uh, we're looking for kind of conservative market approaches to senior citizens' issues to make sure we preserve Social Security and, and Medicare and Medicaid and work with them more from a market uh, angle rather than just saying, hey, the federal government or the state government ought to just throw more money, tax dollars at it. Right. So a, g- a good place for you to be, and we'll touch on that again uh, here in a moment. But uh, give me your, your, your first blush of, uh, you know, three, four years ago. Uh, Donald Trump was uh, the outside of the guy that a lot of people wrote off or at least said he'll never work. And then you look three years on at the, it, it, the surprise election of 2016. Didn't surprise me. I called it. But, but for a lot of people, big surprise. And the way that he has governed fairly conservative. Absolutely. I, I think you're right. I mean, look, I was one of those people. If you would have asked me before, I would have said he was he had no chance of winning. And he came out because I think people were upset. I mean, they wanted to change the, uh, the country. They wanted to change the direction Washington was going in. And Donald Trump, uh, you know, was a disruptor that really made a difference. So he picked up those culturally conservative blue-collar workers that, you know, are our constituencies in Michigan and across the country and won. Uh, he has governed as a conservative. He's done a great job on the judges. He's done a great job on policy in general. Uh, you would have a very hard time finding something you disagree with him on if you're a Republican and a conservative on virtually every other issue. Oh, Bill Crystal does his best on a daily basis. As I said, if you're a Republican and a conservative. (laughs) Fair point. Um, But overall, he's done well. And and the reason I bring that up is his successes are many. Uh, His failures are few. But the the Democrats along the way have have pursued the Mueller report, which went nowhere. They pursued impeachment, which was an ill-conceived notion to begin with. It, It failed utterly. Now we've got the Democrats trying to weaponize the coronavirus and turning it into the Katrina virus is what I say. I mean, they want to turn it into some sort of a narrative that he is incompetent and can't deal with a real crisis. I think the challenge they face is uh, wartime presidents do very well. If this turns out to be the war of Donald Trump's presidency, he has the ability to capitalize on this and do very well. And so far, it looks like he is on top of it. No, I think Your that's thoughts. A, yeah, no, I think that's a very good point, and and we have to remember that, you know, this president understands what's going on with regards to the issues affecting the world. They've got a tremendous team around them. I've, I don't think anybody can argue that there's been a better cabinet put together by a Republican president, at least in my lifetime. And so I think the president's, you know, the press conference he did a couple nights ago was fantastic. 
he got up and he said, look, this is like a very bad flu type of situation. Uh, pay attention, do the right things, wash your hands, stay away from things that could cause it. But we're not dying from this stuff unless you're not taking care of yourself. And, and, and the Democrats are weaponizing it. That's the key. Well, that's what, what, what else do they have? That's right. You and know, if, Alyssa Slotkin is my member of Congress. And if you look at what these freshmen came in and all the promises they made, and they were going to be moderate, and they were going to be independent thinkers, they have not been moderate. They have not been independent thinkers. They've been lockstep with Nancy Pelosi. And what have they accomplished as a group? Everything is political. What they do is that there's nothing they can support that this president puts forward. If he says the, blue, the sky is blue, they're going to find a reason to argue it's not. And, they, and the other thing that the American people have to remember, if take a look at their history. They have admitted time after time they will not back this president. Correct. They will not work with this president. Correct. They will not give him a single win because it's purely political. They started the resistance movement and the impeachment movement before he was sworn into office. That part's true, but you look at people like Slotkin who said, I'll work with this president. Uh, it's proven to be not true. Um, all right, I want to shift gears into something you and I have talked on uh, over, uh, over and over and back and forth over the years, the national popular vote, yep. something you support, something that I remain very skeptical of, and uh, many states on board now, which simply would mean if there's a national popular vote outcome like there was in 2016, uh, Hillary Clinton would be president. Yeah, and Steve, what we have to remember is that we would have run a different campaign. Um, there, there's never been a real national popular vote. Uh, we spend about 90 to 98 percent of all the funds, all the resources, all the interest basically goes into 10 states or less. So as President Trump has said, he would have, if there was a true national popular vote, he believes he would have won. And he actually said he'd prefer a national popular vote because I believe we are a center-right nation. I think there are more people in this country that share our values and theirs, but we don't go out and campaign for them. Uh, you take a look at the Republican voters in Utah and Oklahoma and many, many other states. They're sitting on the sideline. They don't count. Uh, you go to states like New York and California, um, there's no reason for a Republican in a presidential year to come out because under the winner-take-all rule, which is what we're talking about changing here, the winner-take-all rule, which preserves right. the Constitution, preserves the Electoral College, but basically uses the national popular vote to determine how your electors are chosen, creates a situation where we make sure that every voter in every state is politically relevant every time. Right. And that is different than what we do today. We elect the president of the battleground states of America versus the president of the United States of America. But and that's how a president's elected in America. You have to have a wide cross-section of America. That's right. Farmers and urban people. Absolutely. And, and people in the suburbs and people all over this country in order to be president. Because and if, if you, you look, live in 40 states, you're completely ignored today. Well, but here's the thing. Uh, when you're talking about the popular vote, Hillary Clinton got 65% of the vote in California this last time around. Right. She won the popular vote by 3.5 million votes in California alone. Right. On the national scale, she, uh, she won by 2.5 million votes, or yep. just under. Uh, California, notwithstanding, Donald Trump did win the popular vote, except for California that is disproportionately Democratic. 65%. Who, who gets 65% in an election? Nobody. Well, it depends on where you're at, right? So if you take a look at 2012 was the first time we spent a billion dollars on the presidential election. Almost $700 million of that was spent in Ohio, Virginia, and Florida. Barack Obama won those three states with a combined margin of victory of 386,000 votes, and he got 70, 70 electoral votes. The second most Republican state in the country, Oklahoma, Republicans spent zero because we knew we were going to win. Democrats spent zero because they knew they were going to lose. The margin of victory for Mitt Romney, 450,000 votes, and he got seven electoral votes. So the Electoral College basically protects the states and gives them the right to determine how their elections are run, who votes, 
how the votes are counted, and I am 100% opposed to nationalizing this election, making it a national popular vote without an electoral college. But with an electoral college where the states are engaged and make the determination of how their electors are chosen, we have a federalist approach to using a system that would allow all 50 states to be involved in the campaign. To me, it's still an end run. Saul News is here, veteran and Republican strategist. Uh, the people on your side are very left of center on this. Um, a lot of conservatives opposed to it. Um, but mostly left of center. But, you know, we have this conversation. It's worthy of the conversation. If people want to find out more and do their own research, where would they go? They go to nationalpopularvote.com. Nationalpopularvote.com has got all kinds of information, questions and answers. And look at the myths section because it addresses a lot of things that people misunderstand about the Constitution, the founders, and how it would work. And uh, for the 60-plus association, where would they go for that? So you go to 60plus.org, and uh, we have a lot of information online there, and we're in the process of uh, actually finding state chairman in all 50 states, and you'll hear a lot more about us in the next couple of years. There you go. Solid news, everybody. Good friend from Michigan, veteran in the world of politics, and a good guy to see here at CPAC. Saul, thank you very much. Thank you, Steve. Have a great day. Protecting Michigan's waters is critically important, and so is providing the energy that fuels Michigan's quality of life. A tunnel for Line 5 is the right solution. This underground concrete tunnel housing Line 5, deep under the Straits of Mackinac, means multiple layers of protection and virtually no chance of a leak into the Great Lakes. It also eliminates the possibility of an anchor strike, and it means no interruption to the energy that Michigan needs. Learn more at Enbridge.com slash Line 5 Tunnel. DTE believes that the energy we all use doesn't have to contribute to climate change. That's why within the next 10 years, we will triple renewables and cut carbon emissions in half. And now we're announcing a bold new goal. To reach net zero carbon emissions in electric generation by 2050, DTE has long been a leader in clean, affordable, reliable energy. And leaders don't just do what's easy. They do what's right. DTE. At DTE, we're committed to using our energy to serve and transform communities, helping to create a brighter future for us all through projects like building parks, partnering with schools, job training programs, and volunteering our time to those in need. Because at DTE, we believe we have a responsibility to serve our customers and our communities. Learn more at dteimpact.com. DTE. You've heard about recent changes to no-fault auto insurance here in Michigan, and you may rates are going down. What you may not have heard is that you'll need to buy millions of dollars in additional coverage in case you're an at-fault driver. If you cause an accident, they could take everything you own. Never before have Michigan drivers had to consider this, but with the new law, there's no limit to your liability. Tell your elected officials to go back and fix what they've done. Learn more at miautoinsurancepromise.com.